co-host of this wonderful little podcast and we're back we are back can't believe it episode three here we go are you guys ready to just dive in this week because we are yeah (laughs) i love how i ask our audience questions i can't answer well we feel the answer though we feel it i can feel it in my heart yeah you know they're jumping for joy right now. They're screaming like at a concert. This is a T-Swift concert, actually. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, it's next level. Yeah. And eventually we can do an Eras tour of our podcast. Oh, perfect. Right? Eras of our podcast. Of, the pod- of codependency. Yeah. Hopefully less and less as we go. In fact, I hope actually that we run ourselves out of a job yeah. by not being codependent anymore. Right. Right? And we don't need this podcast anymore. And we won't ever talk about it anymore we, because... I'll never have to talk about it ever, ever again. again. And you'll never hear... We'll disappear off the face of the planet. You guys will never hear from <laughs> us ever again. Why is this our goal? I don't think this is a good goal, actually. <laughs> Scratch that. Uh, well, I think... I don't want to say I'll be codependent forever. Yeah. Because I know... That I have improved. Have but, you? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you ask me, have I? Have I improved? Have I improved? Actually, because uh, listener, Brooke and I were just planning this. And as we were going through all these examples of like the ways that our codependency has shown up, we just kept being like, I can't believe myself. Like, I yeah. can't believe I'm writing this down. Just at some point when you write it all down, like one after another, it's hard to read. And you're like, really, self? Yes. You know? It's kind of hilarious at the same time because it's like, oh, yep. And yep, that's that's me. just showed up yesterday. I, yep. I gave you real life examples of what we were discussing. Yes. And I was like, oh, and that literally happened yeah. yesterday. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was me four days ago. <laughs> I'm actually in a spiral right now. You just can't tell. <laughs> I'm hiding it really well. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And actually you mentioned in, I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before this. Um, no, the last one or the first one, cause we've recorded two so far, but you mentioned anxious attachment in one of them. Yes. And a book called attached, which let's see what the author is. I um, I actually just had it up. Attached book author. This is how I search for things. Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. So there are two authors, and it's just called Attached, and it has two magnets that create a heart on the front. <laughs> um, the, attached, the science of, ha- of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. So, yes. Again, Excellent book. Very good book. Really helpful um, for us both. Yes. And really helpful for codependence because what Brooke and I were talking about And actually that I didn't know until today was that um, anxious attachment and codependency are essentially the same thing. Like a person can be codependent and there are codependent behaviors. And then within a relationship, what that looks like and how it's defined is anxious attachment. Yeah. Yeah. The book briefly discusses that in the, in I think the first or second chapter, they do say that codependency is linked However, um, they kind of put it in this category of um, kind of all the tropes with codependency. It was kind of weird. That was the only mm. part of the, the first um, 
part of the book, but uh, I speed read, so I do miss some things. <laughs> I should probably slow down. <laughs> but but it is it's very uh, very much so linked with codependency. It very much is the same thing. Um, if you're codependent, you are 98, 99.98% um, more likely to be anxious attached. Yeah. At least in some ways we were talking earlier about how it can, it's not, it, you're not going to be this way or any way a hundred percent of the time. That's not yeah. what we're saying. That's not what these things mean, but you can have some of these traits. You can have, you know, only a few of them. And of course, again, maybe it only shows up in certain situations or with the romantic relationships more than friendships, that kind of thing. Right. So it's- keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, and specifically with anxious attachment, I think this episode we're mainly going to discuss the romantic relationships and how that shows up because anxious attachment is really how we show up in our romantic connections and how uh, we perceive our partner's behaviors, Mm -hmm. how we perceive our own behaviors. Mm -hmm. So we'll dive into all that. Yeah, because, and we were even just talking about this um, when we were just chatting about relationships. Like, it's so funny how people respond so differently to romantic relationships than they do friendships. Yeah. Like why are we so much more upset about something that a romantic partner said? If a friend said it, we would just laugh it off or we wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy when you brought that up, that actually like sent me on a a spiral, a good spiral um, of just that thinking of the fact that why am I so different in my romantic connections than my friendships? And of course Mm -hmm. you're responsible. There is a level of responsibility in a relationship where you are responsible for each other, you know, to be there emotionally for one another. It's a little elevated, Mm -hmm. but still at the same time, why this, the same things that wouldn't work you up with a friend, mm-hmm. why are they working you so up with this person? Yeah, it's weird. And I think that that is important to note because when you were just saying anxious attachment is specifically usually how you are with romantic relationships, I was like, well, I think I'm this way with friendships too. But then I realized, um, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that like maybe a couple of them, yeah. like I, I think a couple of them I'm li- like that with friendships, but really not, not as severe and not most of the ones that we got into. Like maybe when we go through the examples, I'll say I'm also like this with friends, like just to kind of give an, ex- like show you what I mean. Um, I don't, I just don't want to jump ahead and say all the things that we're going to say, but, um, that's what's so funny about thinking about this attachment style because I before right now yeah I was like oh I'm like this with everybody and then I was like no no it's so much more heightened with romantic relationships exactly and it's a good point that you brought up we didn't even plan talking about this but the point of um the fact that you know it why don't I act this way with my friends mm-hmm. but I do it specifically mm-hmm. in romantic connections and some of these examples will bring up you're like oh yeah that is only specific to mm-hmm. how I am mm-hmm. romantically and I think it'll it'll boggle you know our listeners mm-hmm. minds because it it kind of boggled ours as we were doing this as we were planning this yeah you it's know? really confusing I mean I guess we should define it yeah right yeah. so let's I'll read off what we have written that we got from um Parts of from a 
article and then parts from just our thoughts. <laughs> um, our own definition, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I have looked up, it's called uh, kennedymclean.com, and it's uh, obviously just a .com, but it's a counseling and psychotherapy service platform. Um, and I really liked their description of understanding codependency, and then they put in parentheses anxious attachment. So that's, if you guys want to look up where I found this, but... Um, so the definition that we had written down was a dysfunctional relationship in which one person's needs are secondary to another person's needs because the codependent is worried that the other person won't want to be close to them. They feel insecure and not good enough, so they're constantly trying to appease the other person and put their needs before uh, their own. Yes. However, this shows up in a, a myriad of ways when it comes to your own behavior and the mm -hmm. scrutinizing of the other partner's mm. behavior, right? Yeah, majorly. So yeah, I mean, let's just talk about maybe how it shows up, like you were just saying. Yeah, so some of the characteristics that would you know show up as anxious attachment, it'd be like you trying to appease others, um, trying mm -hmm. to avoid conflict, rejection, or abandonment, you know, some of the stuff that we've already discussed with codependency, because they are highly linked. Um, neglecting your own needs, you're assuming the other, the needs of others, you're assuming that you know your partner's needs without even communicating or asking what those needs might be. Mm -hmm. um, you're, this is a big one, you're anxious when you're not physically together. Mm -hmm. So um, I know I've experienced that before and uh, it sucks. <laughs> um, another one is the need for constant reassurance. Mm -hmm. So if you are an anxious attachment, you can already assume you're going to need a lot of reassurance in a lot of ways, um, especially if the partner's not around, you're going to want them to reassure you that the relationship's still fine. Um, also, after fights, after big fights, small fights, you basically want to know that the connection is still intact and that you guys aren't going to essentially crumble after this one mm -hmm. uh, conflict or resolution. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, that looks like... Um... Like, every time I do get a little piece of reassurance, like, they'll send a text that, you know, makes me excited or is especially sweet or something that kind of gives me that high of reassurance and, like, they're thinking about me and it's, I'm relieved that yes. I don't have to, like, worry about that anymore, essentially, but then it's gone immediately and I need it again. Yeah, you know. Oh, it's it's like a it's like taking a drug. It's mm -hmm. it's so temporary. Yeah. Um, and you need it quite often. Sometimes throughout the day. It depends on your specific needs. It's all going to be dependent on the person. But if you're an anxious attachment and you've gone hours without hearing from your partner, um, that could send you into a spiral pretty easily. You know. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I know it. It's definitely happened with me specifically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. But on top of that, you know, uh, if there is not a problem at the moment, you will definitely find a way to create one. Mm -hmm. um, you're anxious about other people's problems. You're anxious about your partner's problems, whatever they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden becomes your problem, and now you have to find a way to solve it. And we all know how this is, right? Especially, um, I am not in a heterosexual relationship, but I do. I've heard this from my friends of... Um, you know, gosh, I wish my partner wouldn't just try and solve all my mm -hmm. needs. I wish that I can just tell them what's going on mm -hmm. and then just not go immediately into fix it mode. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of men do this, but women do it too. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what 
the codependent or the anxious attachment person also wants to do is they want to, okay, let me see how, you know, cause if I can show up in this way for this, for my partner, then mm-hmm. maybe they'll never leave. They'll never leave me mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, doing so much for them. I'm solving yeah. their problems. Their how life is the best with me. Exactly. And yeah. they couldn't do this without me. You yeah. know, it's like a kind of a superiority, but not really thinking of it that way. You're just yeah. like, oh, I'm just being helpful. Yeah. When and re- you're probably not even thinking about it at a conscious level. Like, I think it's yes. subconscious. What the description was that I really liked was you have the sense of impending doom. Yeah. And so because of that, it kicks off your anxiety and then your body and your mind at a subconscious level thinks I have to fix something. Something is wrong. I have this impending doom. I have this anxiety. So I know something must be wrong. So let me find it. Let me go find a problem. And then if there isn't one, I'll create it because of whatever our brain's filling in information because we believe there must be a problem. So then we create it in our own minds and then try to fix it. I mean, can you imagine the, the stress that you're putting on your partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like we've talked about before and how you can get these issues comes in a, a different way, but just as an example, maybe if you experienced as a child, you know, a parent who, um, it, there was always constantly a problem to be solved in the household and that the parent maybe recruited you to help them solve that problem all the time. Mm-hmm. You, you might be more prone in your romantic relationships to look for the same thing. So mm-hmm. if there's a need for, you to you know step up and and solve that problem Mm -hmm. maybe it's linked to your childhood but not all the time i'm just Mm -hmm. saying it's something to consider yeah Yeah. definitely but um along with that of like you know on top of creating problems that aren't there you definitely part of an anxious attachment they'll scrutinize Mm -hmm. uh, all the behavior and the words of that partner this is so big so I unfortunately struggle with this because mm-hmm. I, when I get a text message, I'll read it thoroughly and I'll analyze what they could possibly be feeling in this yeah. moment, right? Yeah. Um, I will, if a period is misplaced, if there's a, a random exclamation point, I mean, maybe I'm being a more a little extreme, but really mm-hmm. it's if the text is written a certain way that mm-hmm. is not how they normally write texts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming something is that. What does that mean? What does Why that mean? did they do that? Exactly. Ha- something, there has to be an underlying reason and I'm going to find it and it's going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be that your partner's surprising or planning a surprise party for you. Yeah, literally. And that literally it could be something is like that. Yeah. But you're thinking the absolute uh, worst. worst. Well, because you mentioned earlier, they don't, you believe they don't have your best interests at heart. Yes. Yes. You know, that's the core thing. Like, something's wrong something's wrong with me right therefore i think people are going to try to get out of being with me i think they're lying to me i think they don't have my best interest at heart so whatever then put that together with you think there's a problem yeah. okay well then you think you're the problem and <laughs> uh, you have with both of those things are true of course you would be the problem right right in your mind you think both of those things are true so whatever is happening that you're suspicious about x plus y equals z like it's gonna be a bad something bad <laughs> that you're yeah. figuring out you know right all roads lead back to you mm-hmm. in those ways right yes everything and everything is about you like okay the exclamation point isn't about you 
You know, yeah. like just leave it alone. And your partner is is welcome to be a human, which means right. they can have days where they aren't feeling the greatest and they might not text the same way that they normally would. They're not as bubbly with you or whatever that you're yeah. used to. Let but, them have a bad day. Yeah, honestly. Can you please? Yeah, and you know what's crazy is yeah, I've experienced this. You know, your partners will catch on to the fact that you're highly scrutinizing everything they say and yeah. do. And even if it's, if you're not physically. You're not subtle. Exactly. Like what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. To sum up, you're not subtle. Uh-huh. You're not. Yeah. And this is something I personally struggle with because trying to battle my own anxious attachment, <laughs> you know, trying oh, to battle my own my anxious God. attachment. It's embarrassing. I've, I have convinced myself many times that I am subtle as can be and no one can realize that I'm internally freaking out. Yeah. But no, that comes mm-hmm. off very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, people notice it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, not not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my God. So yeah, assuming uh, that they don't have your best interest at heart is really what it comes down to in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, that's why you won't trust them a lot of the times. That's why you're insecure. Mm-hmm. It's because you believe that the shoe could drop at any moment. Uh, exactly. And along with that comes, you know, you, uh, on top of that, you can create a tolerance for, uh, maltreatment and, you know, acceptance of an inappropriate behavior towards yourself. Yeah. Um, over time. Oh, right? absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like, if you believe you're garbage, <laughs> if you, you're finding people right here. treating you like garbage, you know? Yeah. Like that's, that's just how that's going to go. And at the root of all this is a lack of worthiness, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we need to keep reminding ourselves of that because you always want to find the origin of a problem in order to attack what the actual problem is, right? Rather than just random symptoms. Right. Um, like managing random symptoms so you can get through your life is one thing, but then actually digging deep to the foundations of like why this is coming up and attacking that, I think, is the the key. And so it's like, okay, I have a lack of self-worth. And over time, I end up appeasing my partner and then making everything they're doing okay. Yeah. And I don't know myself, right. like we talked about in previous episodes. Right. So I don't know. I really have no sense or biofeedback of like, I'm upset. I'm struggling. I don't like this. This is a boundary. Like poor boundaries is another symptom of this, right? So then over time, you just keep accepting all this treatment because you are not registering that it's unacceptable. Exactly. Because you're not even sure of your own needs. And like you said, you're appeasing the other person's needs. So where in that do you see your own needs clearly you don't Mm -hmm. and that's what ends up having poor boundaries it makes you a jealous person it makes you um a lot of things Mm -hmm. jealous oh my gosh i'm so jealous (laughs) it's a real it's a serious issue like like, actually though please help me (laughs) honestly though it is. And honestly, at the root of, of most of this, all these behaviors that show up is, is the jealous, uh, jealousy, which comes from mm-hmm. being insecure. Yeah. Everyone knows this and it's, you know, 
it gets written off so quickly by people. They're like, oh, you're just being jealous and you're, oh, you're, this person's so insecure, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But like, we don't want to be yes. this. <laughs> Can I just say I that? I don't want to be this way, okay? <laughs> Why are you the way you choose to be? That's yeah. all I... Why are you the way that you are, uh, honestly? Really. But listen, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying our best and honestly... You know, okay, but I do want to go on a slight tangent here mm-hmm. just about the fact that what we're talking about, how the fact that anxious attachments don't necessarily know what their needs are. Mm-hmm. When I found out that I was an anxious attachment through reading about it and all the stuff, I realized that this was as close as I've ever been to understanding more about what my needs are because mm-hmm. once I realized that part of being an anxious attachment means that you are just going to have a different set of needs than other people will have. And that sometimes means, and this we'll talk about this, but it means communicating upfront with your partner, Hey, I am going to need a little more reassurance, you know, and I am going to need at times I'm going to need you to text me after a fight and say, by the way, I still love you. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. And the right person will walk away and be like, that seems to, I don't want to do that. Right. Or if they're the right person, if they really do love you and want to be with you, then they will gladly meet that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's about knowing, and that's part of knowing yourself and knowing your needs. And I think mm-hmm. like in a weird way, finding this out about myself has helped me tremendously on the path of finding out what are Brooke's needs. Yeah. You know? So yeah. in a weird way, as much as these things suck, the fact that I am jealous and insecure and all these other things... It helped me realize, wait, but now I have a better tool, my mm-hmm. toolkit for mm-hmm. how to communicate yeah. properly with partners. Totally. Right? I think that's so key. Like all these things that we're saying, do I love hearing them about myself? No. <laughs> but yeah. it it is helpful to label it. Words matter. You know, yes. y- you're defining something that's getting you closer to moving through it rather than just avoiding it or having it run you yeah. in your subconscious. Um, and I, I always like, I really hate the feeling of being jealous. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the thing I'm still worried about is like, will that feeling ever go away? And probably not. I would imagine. I think I'm just going to get better at managing it. Yeah. You know, it probably will be less magnified eventually because I think it's so magnified because I feel so less than, like I feel like that situation is is hurting me because it's speaking to my worth and my value. Yes. And so that's why it's so painful. Like it's painful internally. It hurts me. Right. I think when moments like that happen. And that is real. And I just want to say like, it's so flippantly disregarded. Like you're just being jealous. Like I'm doing it to them. Yeah. You know, but no, it's in me. I'm getting hurt, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and no, it doesn't mean I get to act however I want to act, but I think right. we need to really sit with that and be like, that feeling matters and it sucks. Yes. Yes. You're right. And I think what happens when we have these jealous moments, it's like, oh no, all of a sudden now we have to worry about, you know, our partner and how yes. they're going to perceive our jealousy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm embarrassed and then it makes the self-worth thing worse. Yes. And then instead, we are not able to just sit in the feeling of just Mm -hmm. experiencing what we're experiencing, right? Yes. And actually, I feel like that happens not just with jealousy, but with all of this stuff that it's kind of just like 
put off into this category of like clinginess or whatever. And then we are the bad guys and then none of it ever gets talked about. So the, the, maybe the intensity is a little bit much. Right. Right. But the, but some of it is like just like a need that needs to be met and that's not being harvested or talked about or valued or honored at all. It's just right. being thrown into the garbage bin that says clingy. Exactly. Like you don't matter, none of this matters. Exactly. And then over time it makes our feeling of worthiness worthlessness worse and it makes it harder to realize what we need because everyone is telling us what you need doesn't matter. Right. Right. And I think it's that's a really good point, honestly. Because like you said, people just disregard our needs in that way. And I think it's important to realize, because I think my whole thing was, well, I don't want those to be my needs, mm-hmm. you know? And I yes, think exactly. I struggled for a long time with this because I was like, I don't want people, I don't want to have to have my partner reassure mm-hmm. me. I don't, that's annoying to have that yes. need on its own. But what you have to realize is you're a valid human being and you had valid experiences mm-hmm. that made you who you are. And honestly, I think people don't believe this and I didn't believe it for a long time, but there are people out there who will fulfill those needs yeah, and I still will gladly do that. so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on here right now to tell all of you listeners that that's not true. <laughs> oh, I mean, kidding. Megan and I I'm haven't met this, yeah. <laughs> these people. Listen. Yeah. We haven't met them, but we have have it on good authority that they exist. Yeah. <laughs> we know because just like the Loch Ness Monster exists. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bigfoot. I have pictures. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. The, the book talks about this as well. The book Attached, they do talk about how there is these people out there that exist that yeah. will fulfill those needs. And we'll talk about those people later. Yeah. And, you know, that's happened in other like moments of my life where I think I can't even fathom what you know x whatever would be or look like or that that exists but then once you move through something and you enter into your energy changes you enter into spaces that have that same energy and then you meet new types of people or like new ways of being come to light like things like that happen all the time if you're flexible mentally flexible and willing to change and do things that are out of your comfort zone you do end up finding things learning things being a part of things that you never thought could have existed yeah yeah so it's possible that's such a great point and honestly it's just getting out there and obviously dating people and finding out who out there exists, but like there are people who just see things differently Mm -hmm. and the way that you might see, um, an episode where you might be embarrassed or humiliated over a, what you would perceive to be a jealous moment. They might just be like, well, they might just see it differently. Yeah. And not judge you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is key. And hold on to that person. If you ever find them. Oh my God. Don't hold them on. Give them to me. (laughs) (laughs) My number is. Yeah. (laughs) I can be contacted at. Let me know. Wait, but on a side note, listeners, if you do want to write in with any stories on this topic, we would love to hear it. And we do have an email address. Yes. And we would love, love, love if you have any sort of funny, anything to tell us, actually. You can just tell us about your freaking day. Oh my gosh. Just talk to us. We love friends. (laughs) (laughs) We want to know if you like us, first of all. Well, that's honestly probably our main and only. Yeah. We don't need to know anything else. So write in and then answer if you like us or not. And then tell us a story about your 
um, attachment style, your experience with codependency. Maybe you yes. have a partner who's codependent and you're trying to learn more about it. Yes. Um, or a family member. Um, or just tell us about your day. Tell us. Tell us ooh, anything. Oh, tell, give us ideas of things you might want us to cover. Yes. Um, and then also maybe like uh, questions or like things you want might want us to share on the podcast. Something like that. Yes. So that email address is do you like us pod at gmail.com. And that is all spelled out, by the way. Do you like us pod at gmail.com. By the way, do you remember P.O.D., the Christian band? That was like a big thing. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Blast from the past. Majorly. Yes. That Uh. didn't register when you said P.O.D., but then when you like clarified that it was that Christian band, I was like, (gasps) Yeah. You know that it's, I feel so alive. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to replay it like going into chapel. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's well, the first and only well, time you guys will hear me singing by on this thing. I loved it though. It was very punk. <laughs> punk rock, baby. That's what yeah. we're for. It's, that's very this pod. This pod is very punk rock. It is. So email us at punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What if we get emails? Okay. Yeah. I okay. Do. Back to okay. the topic. Back to the topic. We were just having so much fun. I know. Uh, well, this whole thing is fun. Yeah. But, okay, so those were, um, like, how anxious attachment shows up in your relationship. And then we kind of wanted to talk about some strategies of, like, what to do for yourself if you notice those things are happening in your life. What can you do to minimize that, to kind of change your brain, change your behavior? Yeah. And minimize those the way that that shows up in your life and in your relationships, because it's exhausting. It's not helpful for a relationship. You know, we don't yes. want this to be our pattern. Yeah, exactly. The f- awareness is the first step, but mm-hmm. then the second step is doing what you can when you feel you're mm-hmm. having these moments to kind yeah. of quell it or to tell yourself otherwise. So actually, before we go into that, yeah, what you just said, um, awareness is the first thing. I just wanted to say kind of what you had mentioned earlier before we started recording is that like, um, yeah, like some of these things might be hard to notice. Oh yeah. You know? Yes. And so I think trying to notice them first. That's a good point. Might be key, right? That's a good point. And you know what? I think the first, I mean, there could be several key things to recognize it, but I think your body seeing how your body reacts in these moments too, mm-hmm. um, seeing if your mind is immediately going to places when mm-hmm. you just receive a normal text message, right? Yep. Um, those are ways that you can be aware as like, how am I acting or how am I perceiving what my partner's telling me right now, either mm-hmm. through text, through phone call? Um, what are my immediate thoughts mm-hmm. that are coming up? Yep. You know? And then if you're making a decision, what are my motives? Is it that I think that's what this other person would want? Yes. What are my motives for making this decision? Is this what I actually want? Can I even tell what I want? Exactly. Do I immediately just go to what I think this partner might say, would say, has said? Um, am I shape-shifting, <laughs> you know? Um, and then I would say next question, and for me this was big, is like, do I get overly anxious about other my partner's 
problems or when my partner presents a thing, some issue to me. Right. Am I overly anxious and going into go mode? Yeah. When it's not even my thing. Like there's a difference between compassion and empathy and that. Right. Unless your partner specifically says, hey, can you Mm -hmm. help me with this? Mm -hmm. You really shouldn't be jumping to Mm -hmm. be right at their side solving the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, and every partner has different needs, but really um, the assumption that you're the only person who can then solve this problem that they're presenting to you is just not accurate. Yeah. You need to check that at the door before you start jumping Mm -hmm. at that, right? And acting on it. So maybe ask yourself those questions. See if any of these ring true to you. Take a week, maybe tally, you know, keep it in a little notebook in your pocket and tally when you notice things like this happening. Because I think bringing all of this to your consciousness is job number one. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and we do so many mindless things throughout the day. You know, sometimes our codependency and our anxious attachment shows up in the same way that we would be snacking on popcorn right now. Mm -hmm. It's like... You're, you can snack on popcorn and not realize you ate a whole bag. You can um, have moments of anxious attachment and not realize the entire day was about that, that you maybe haven't even focused that much at work or you're, you know, you don't realize it until you bring mm-hmm. it to the forefront mm-hmm. of your consciousness. Totally. So it's um, weird. It's really weird, right? Yeah. Okay. So what to do for yourself? Yes. So I think, honestly, I think the main one is focus on you. Yeah, I know. And I know it seems simple. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be like, really? Mm-hmm. Focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, we haven't heard this before a million mm-hmm. times on Instagram. I know. Instagram's telling know. us to focus on ourselves all the time. Well, Brooke and I were talking about that before they were writing about that on Instagram. Okay. I know. <laughs> we Please. invented Instagram. I invented focus on you. I invented Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I just become a full-on narcissist. <laughs> You know, every sign that you see in everyone's house, like happy wife, happy life. We invented all of those. <laughs> I created all of those. Live, laugh, love. That was us. <laughs> that was the one I'm most proud of. But, you know, learn about you. Learn about what you like. Learn about what you don't like. Learn about, and I told you this a while ago. I, at one point in my life, asked someone, how do you know what you like? <laughs> Yeah, you did tell me this. And they looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. Yeah. And I was so early in this whole thing. I was just confused that I didn't know. People would say, this is my favorite color, or I really like this. And internally was having this like crazy battle uh, in my mind going, I can't tell if I like that or not. Yes. How do you know? Isn't it so bizarre? And then there's certain people just straight out the gate know exactly what they like, right? Like, this is my favorite color. This is my favorite drink. This is my favorite snack. Yeah. I can't. I... It freaks me out. I mean, it still to this day freaks me out to pick an actual favorite, like one thing. Yeah. And I'm sure it's all a part of this, but... Totally. But I'm getting so much better at honing in on if I like something or not. And, And I still need, like, for example... I need my, in fact, my mom laughs that, uh, if I listen to a song, she immediately plays it again because she doesn't ask me if I like it because I won't know. Yeah. I do not know if I like it or not. Oh my gosh. I have to listen to it like five times. Okay. But that is a very, I feel like that might not just be an anxious attachment, but that could be a, like a lot of people experience that. Yeah. Cause like, I have to know, I have to listen to this song at least six times yeah. before I know how I feel about it. I, I totally agree with you on this. Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, in my life, 
looking back, I took, I would say, well, I've been doing this like a lot of work since I was 18. So it's hard to piece out exactly when I was doing this thing, but, um, at least I would say a couple years of just like trying new things. I just started painting. I started knitting. I started, you know, I just tried a bunch of hobbies. I played roller derby for a bit. You know what I mean? Like do random stuff. Totally. And see what you like. See what you like. And we've talked about this, like in the last few years, we both, um, I know you've been doing this work since 18, but I think we've also like mentioned to each other, I want to start doing this. I want to start going to this class. It never ends. You should keep doing that. Yeah. But I needed to do it even just to, I had no concept of who I was, yeah. you know? And so that really helped me just it helped, delve it helps, into me. And it helps your partner too. Your partner mm-hmm. wants to know your yeah. likes and dislikes. Yes. And I think you, you might come off as a more elusive than you actually are to your partner mm-hmm. if you're, and you know, it's not about your partner's perception. This is all about yeah, doing yeah. things for you. But what I'm saying is, it might just help your relationship mm-hmm. as well because yeah. you'll be so plugged into that thing. Yeah. You know, you won't be so plugged into the relationship all the time. Yes. You know. Absolutely. And I think like journaling about yourself can help through yeah. that time. Um Oh, that's that's a great point. You know. Great point because you might not know, it's kind of like the song thing. You might listen to the song, you might go to that activity, you might do a pottery class, you might not know immediately if you liked it or not. Mm-hmm. But if you journal and reflect on it later, you might come to conclusions later. Yeah, totally, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and find patterns. Yes. Or I, I didn't like the pottery class, but I really liked the idea of taking a class. Yes. Or, you know, that's a simple mm-hmm. idea, but like there's so many ways that oh, well, I like this certain aspect of this activity. Maybe I need to find the activity that matches that aspect. Yeah, and just the act of doing that gets you in touch with your body and what it feels like to like things and what it feels like to not like things. And then your ability to assess if you like or don't like something will get better and faster as time goes on, you know? Because then you get connected to your gut. Your gut instinct is something you shouldn't ignore and oftentimes is... Yeah. ignored in anxious attachment and codependency and so then you can't use it because you don't know what it feels like you've turned it off for so many years exactly. and so getting to know yourself doing all this stuff that brings it back it gets you back in touch it really does it you gets know? you back in touch and uh an- another point on this is i used to think that well i don't have many preferences like my peers because i'm easygoing Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something like an, a, a label that we want to so easily slap on ourselves and yeah. make us like, well, we're the easygoing person. That's what makes us so cool yep. and fun. Yep. But I mean, there's a, there is a line between that. You can be easygoing, but there's a difference. You can also know what you want, your likes, your dislikes, and you can also be an easygoing mm-hmm. person, but that doesn't mm-hmm. have to... You, it doesn't mean that you don't have any likes or dislikes of your own just because yeah. you're easygoing, right? And it, you probably want to be seen as low maintenance because you know that all of these things that you're feeling are usually considered high maintenance, being jealous, being what's so-called clingy. Yes. You know, you're trying to show almost the opposite. Right, right. Right. You're trying to overcompensate yes. for some of those other things you are, you know you have, right? Yeah. Or you know you, the way that you are. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just something to keep in mind because mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you, your needs still matter and finding, and finding those out is your first step. Yeah. You know, but along with journaling, you know, um, thinking before you speak and of course thinking before you act, I know that 
that's kind of an obvious one, but um, sometimes we, when you're in a haze of anxiousness and when you're really dealing with the um, anxiety that you just can't feel like you can't control, mm-hmm. you know, just taking that pause for a second, just take a second, take a deep breath. I know, you know, everyone wants to say what they want to say about that, but honestly, mm-hmm. just stop and be like, okay, is what I'm telling myself true right now? Yeah. Am I telling myself something that might not be true at the moment? Mm-hmm. A lot of the times it's not. And just think before acting on that, you know, before sending that text message of, you know, what are you doing right now out with your, or just being that person, right? You know, mm-hmm. what, you know, trying to, um, like you're trying to quell your anxiety that's coming up and you're acting from that place of like, I just need to get relief. Exactly. But, you know, that you're not XYZ. Right. And chances are, by the way, they're, if they are up to something shady, they're not going to be straighting up telling you, by the way, I'm doing something shady right now. Yeah. Even though that you're, what, they think if you're going to text them and ask them the exact question, they're just going to be like, yes, I am doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, in the same way, it's, yeah. Well, and I think that that kind of goes towards the, like, the idea of, like, labeling your feelings and checking in with your gut before doing something or answering a question like really get to know like connect with your body I feel like we so often disassociate with our bodies totally um, in this space and like maybe like practicing meditation yoga stretching just like diaphragm breathing like putting your hand on your stomach while you breathe like just get in touch with your body so that in those moments you can come back to your breath you can come back to centering yourself in your own reality and not get taken away and swept away with those anxious thoughts right and in the same vein when someone like asks you to do something for them or or asks you to go, invites you somewhere. Right. You can practice checking in with yourself and not getting swept away with the anxious moment of appeasing someone and just saying yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's the yeah. same type of thing. You want to take a pause and come from a place of what you know to be true in your gut rather than the, that the uh, being taken over by someone else's mind, essentially. Exactly. Which is how it feels for me. It does. And just to put an example to this, say this has happened to me many times where a partner goes out for drinks or goes out to have, you know, a night on their own or whatever. And basically any anxious attachments, worst nightmare, because the whole time when they're gone, you're thinking, oh my God, are they talking to other people? Who Mm -hmm. showed up? Who's Mm -hmm. there? You want to know all the details Mm -hmm. and you might even heavily question that partner before they leave. You know, where are they going? What are they doing? Who's going? Mm -hmm. Um, is it that so-and-so who mm-hmm. I never like how she acts with you mm-hmm. or I don't ever trust that person around that around you or are you guys going to go do some activity that I don't mm-hmm. trust, like go to a strip club or whatever yeah. it might be? Um, that could send you and that can cause you to have all these you know issues that we're discussing. But like Megan said, check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. Tell yourself what do you actually factually know at this moment, right? What it, what is, what is true right now? Do you know anything about what's happening with your partner right now? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. But do you trust them? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, mm-hmm. the answer is yes to that, right? Yeah. Um, that all comes down to trust, but it all comes down to checking in with yourself and asking those questions. Okay, yeah. has anything actually happened yet? Or yeah. am I honestly just 
assuming that bad things are happening with my partner right now and not yeah. trusting them, right? Yeah. And, like, then what what helps me is, like, uh, you don't have to write it down, but, like, make a list of or think of all the good things about your partner. Yeah. Like, you know, all the stuff you love, all the ways that they do reassure you. Mm-hmm. All the times they've said sweet things or... Pull up the receipts. Pull up, yes. pull up the text messages. Yes. Show, I mean, literally screenshot them and keep a mm-hmm. folder in your phone yep. if you need to of all yep. the things that they say that are positive. Exactly. Because our <laughs> brains just love to latch on to the negative. Of course. You know? Anxious attachment is trying to perceive any disaster that might be coming. So that naturally means yes. you're going to be negative and you're going to assume yes. negative from people. You're going to assume they don't have your best interest. Mm-hmm. You're going to assume that you can't trust them. You're yeah. going to assume that they're going to act not in accordance with the behavior that you would find yeah. acceptable, right? Yep. So along with that, you know, write the good things about your partner down or screenshot those text messages mm-hmm. or ask your partner. If you're, if you're having a moment, you could literally be as honest in that moment and say, can you text me something just nice about mm-hmm. us or the relationship? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the next thing I have here is communicate your needs. So that's perfect. That's exactly it. Communicate your needs. There we go. That I didn't even mean to transition. So that was it. Like that. But that is what it is. And, and this is what it comes down to. And I know as an anxious attachment, you're like, God, that sounds so cringy. That's, at least that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't want to just be like, hey, mm-hmm. can you text me something really yeah. sweet? Or, hey, I'm having an anxious moment. And this is what's crazy. You could, people don't think this is something you can do. You can absolutely do this. Yes. You can text your partner and say, I am having major anxiety about you being out right now. And... I just need a little bit of reassurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the partner, if they are the right person for you or if they love you, if they support you, they will give you that reassurance. Yes. Right? And yeah, it just reminds me of like how we often, we'll talk about this, <clears throat> I think in another later episode, but how we often get um, um, connected with uh, partners who maybe exacerbate our anxious attachment, right? Yes. But... But for example, I, I asked someone, I said, I really like, um, getting written cards. Oh, like that's mm-hmm. just something that it, I don't know. I appreciate. Yeah. And he said, um, I don't want to now because you've asked for it and it wouldn't seem genuine. How weird. See? Right? See? And so oh it's gosh. like, okay, I'm trying to communicate my needs and I get shut down. How strange is that? Right? Yeah. So, and we, we you know what it is? I, what? I don't mean to cut you off. No. I think it's training from what we've learned from like romantic movies yeah, and shows. It has to be swept off your feet. Surprise. It has, you have to surprise me. I, I'm not going to tell you a single need of my, of my own. Yes. And I'm uh, going to judge based off how well you can. Oh my gosh. Yes. 100%. Like a magician. You're supposed to just jump in and be, oh. Yes. <laughs> Cut to next scene. I have a thousand roses and exactly everything you wanted, even though we didn't see the conversation where she told him that's what she liked. Yes. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Rom-coms are telling us how we should act and behave in relationships. And it's all about predicting what you think your mm-hmm. partner wants. And this then, is ruining our lives. <laughs> it is. So the, the moral of the story is everyone stop watching rom-coms immediately <laughs> right now no movies for you <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah. okay well the next thing that is really big for me 
take responsibility for your stuff only. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I feel like a part, like one, I got to know myself. Right. But then at the same time, I was, it was like radical responsibility. I was taking responsibility, like responsibility for every little thing that is mine yeah. to take. And it just helped me so much clarify what is mine and what is not mine. Totally. Then this know? is something that I constantly struggle with on mm. a daily basis. I mean, this has not gotten any better for me. <laughs> <laughs> just being honest, this is at a zero. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It's so hard to dif- differentiate what your partner has, or what you, your personal responsibility in what has happened. Maybe something had happened in the, rela- in the relationship or a fight happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Taking personal responsibility, responsibility for only what you caused in this, in this, and being very honest and forthright with that, right? Yeah. And not taking on the burdens of your partner or what they yeah. did yeah. wrong as your own problem. Mm-hmm. It's 100%. so hard. It's oh so my hard. gosh, it's so hard. <laughs> but constantly doing that, even when there's not a problem, even when it's not a part of your relationship, when you're not triggered, I think will, it'll help you gain clarity of what that looks like. Right. You know, to separate the two. And then like that it gets yeah easier yeah. over time i want to say i mean the more that you put in the cognitive work right to to just like stop yourself in those moments right. and try and choose something else yeah on top of what you had mentioned which is a really good point is just taking ownership of what you're responsible for Along with that is make whatever you guys are fighting about, make it about just that problem. Because I think a lot of the times Mm. as an anxious attachment, we want to, no, no, no. It's not just this one problem. We want to now bring every other problem to light. And now the the partner doesn't know how to address the issue at hand because you've brought up six issues. Amen. And. (laughs) Amen. This is my biggest problem. This hasn't gotten better for me. This one has not gotten better for me. Like, I don't know how to not do that. Because Mm -hmm. everything is linked in my mind. I believe they are linked. Everything's linked, right? Yes, I believe it. Even if I don't believe it, I do. Does that make sense? Totally. even, Even if I can say to you, okay, so technically, yeah, I'm seeing that these are not. Yeah. not the same but but and then I'm like but don't you think in your mind and I'm like yeah. I'm like in their mind now like who am I right. like don't you think in your mind it's the same thought process as when you did this thing right exactly yes I think one of the books uh, or it says in the book attached they actually bring up an example of this of like a couple who um every time she asked her husband to go to the grocery store to get groceries he like gets different branded stuff and doesn't get exactly mm-hmm. what she writes on the list and mm-hmm. so she gets irritated every single time yeah and like um i think what they were trying to bring up with that example is um based off like oh gosh sorry i lost my train of thought <laughs> That's okay. he brings um, different brands different home. yeah he brings like different brands home doesn't ever stick to the list and an anxious attachment in that situation might blow up and be like, God, you know, you never get the list right. And also you're so, you know, like it's, it's not just about the problem of him now bringing home different branded stuff. Now you're bringing, and also 
you know, and then you'll link it to a problem that seems like it's the same. Yeah. But really, you need to treat them as separate issues. Yeah. And it's not fair to your partner to bring up the everything yeah. that's wrong yes. and then ask them, okay, yes. fix it. Yes. <laughs> you know, like. Totally. Well, because I was thinking the other day, if I did that to myself. Yes. And. Um, Which we I, probably do. Spoiler do. alert, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I was to say. I think I do do that to myself. I do. Yeah. And you know what? It's so unfair. And the amount of stress it causes me. Yeah. And so you're doing that to your partner every single time. Mm-hmm. And then if I really boil down the things I'm doing that with to myself, they they really aren't connected. <laughs> like, yeah. Like they really were not the same. And I'm in my mind, so I know if they were coming, you know, if they were coming from the same place. So I'm like, okay, so I'm just a bad judge of that. Yes. Like I need I think I need to just keep telling myself, hey May, Meg, hey, <laughs> hey sweetheart. Yeah. You're not a good judge of this. Yeah. You need you need to lay down the gavel. Like You're not. You aren't fit to, to be this. the judge here, you know? You can't. And it comes down to just facing the problem at hand. I think yeah. a lot of therapists say this. It's not me and you against each other. It's us against the problem. Yeah. And the problem with an anxious attachment is, well, there's, you know, all these problems are linked. And this, this is the same thing that yeah. you're doing. But when you explain it to a partner that way, they have no way, they have nowhere to go with that. Yeah. And they don't know how to help you. Yeah. They don't, and, and then they end up more confused at the end of it but then which really irritates you because anxious attachment does not want to be misunderstood oh my gosh it's a vicious cycle it really it really is a vicious cycle because it all comes back to well you're not understanding me well how can i understand you if you're not just saying hey by the way babe when you go and get different branded items at the grocery store that doesn't help me because i need you to get exactly what's on the list mm-hmm. you can't veer from that yeah and stop making it a moral issue or like a character issue yeah. or like a personal attack right yeah i mean that's a small example the grocery list thing but still if you could make it about something a bigger oh. character flaw there i have right? five examples in my mind <laughs> <laughs> this mythical person exists and you're like <laughs> i'm mad at them and it's a personal attack against me yeah you're yeah. like listen this guy bob has a lot of issues <laughs> and they're all linked <laughs> So, I mean, okay, so honestly, I think the biggest one is increasing self-worth. Oh, yeah. We need to increase our self-worth. And how do we do that, Megan? Okay, so listen, (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I feel like all that stuff we said will increase our self-worth. Getting to know ourselves, putting ourselves before, you know, somebody else, making those little decisions. Increasing self-worth is like if some... It would increase your self-worth. It's like if somebody says, don't be stressed. It's like, well, that's just not helpful. No. I think it's not something that magically happens. You can't just love yourself or have self-worth. You have to put yourself first time and time again for that to grow. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because it's hard to recognize at first. How do you... What moments do I choose to put myself first and what moments do I put others Mm -hmm. first when I need to? Because you... You know, I feel like you get in this mindset of like, how do I know when to do that? Well, yeah. the answer is all the time. Always yeah. put yourself first. Mm-hmm. Always. Your needs come mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And the right, you know, the, if you're with your, a partner, they're going to put their needs first. Yes. And that's how you guys. That's normal. Ju- yeah. And, and I think for me, I'm always just trying to figure out when is the right time to do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. always is the always, right time. Always. <laughs> you always do it. Yes, yeah. I think that's a really good point. And then also, you're not, um, 
you know, completely disregarding the other person. That's not what no. that means. You put your knees first and you make sure you're not harming them. Right. And that you're being considerate. Right. But you're still the person you got to take care of. Because at the end of the day, you guys have decided to come together and be a part- partnership. That means you guys live autonomous lives, mm-hmm. but you've decided to com- confide in one another and live or have a partner in this crazy thing called life. But it doesn't mean you become the partner or that you mesh mm-hmm. together into the partner. It yeah. means, oh, it's nice to have You're not someone. responsible for the partner. And right. you, the other person wants you to be you because they don't want to be responsible for you exactly you okay. don't you don't really want to be responsible for them you think you do but really at the end of the day you don't you, you want don't. to be responsible for you you just think you have to be responsible exactly for it's an obligation and then yeah. that's where the resentment comes in exactly so at the end of the day literally just do you because yes and that's really what this podcast boils down to <laughs> do you and because we all want to be secure actually we want to be the secure attachment yeah. So, and let's talk a little bit about the five-ish elements of that. Okay. Yeah, I guess we can do that. Yeah. Uh, so, we want to, in a secure attachment, somebody will have the ability to regulate their emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, regulating your emotions, I mean, for example, like, I'll get really mad really easily because I feel personally attacked. In a yeah. relationship. Yeah. Exactly. And um, that comes with not taking things personally when someone is feeling a certain way. If you're feeling mm-hmm. a certain way, um, not... Yeah. The, the ability to regulate motions is... Um, it's just... It's it's crazy to say out loud, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a skill set mm-hmm. to have to be able to regulate in the moment and not take everything that your partner does personally. Yes. Right? Because they're not thinking they have no self-worth and therefore what's happening is against them. It's right. just a thing that happened. It's separate from them. Exactly. So they don't have any concern for that. Things can happen, believe it or not, outside of you and they have nothing to do with your self-worth. Shocker. I know. And then they easily trust others. Yeah, and I mean, this is... <laughs> Megan's <laughs> shaking her head no right now. Uh-uh. That's a hard one. It really is. Mm-hmm. And if you come from a background of this, if you struggle with these issues of your whole life, you know trust is just not mm. something that easily comes to you. It no. is something that you actively have to work mm-hmm. on. Like you mentioned earlier, someone's going out to a bar. Am I going to ask them a bunch of questions thinking I'm being subtle? Yeah. Um, trying to gain all the information so that when they're gone, I'm not super upset. Am I going to check all the pictures of every single person who's there to see what's going on, who they're sitting by, what's happening? Right. What's the vibe? What's the vibe? Yeah. Or am I going to think, oh, they're going out, period. That means nothing else. Exactly. And then not think about it again. <laughs> and would you want them to give you that same trust if you were to go out? The yes. answer is yes. Right. Because I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything crazy. Please. Okay, they effectively communicate their wants and needs. Yes. Yeah, this is a big one. And uh, as an anxious attachment, you're more prone to just respond off the emotions you're feeling and not really... um, Mm -hmm. Get into the foundation of your needs. Exactly. And and then you will not know what those needs are, like we talked about before. So if you are an anxious attachment, if you resonate with a lot of the things we've said... 
you can already know, number one, first mm-hmm. and foremost, that you're going to need reassurance. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't know what your needs are, there you go. Just gave you That's one. one. Yeah. And you can consider this an important one because trust me, it shows up. Mm-hmm. It, it will show up. If you're anxious attachment, yeah. you will come across this, right? Yeah. So um, communicate that need. Tell yes. your partner, you know what? I know this is, actually don't even give it a disclaimer. I almost gave mm-hmm. it a disclaimer. Don't give it a disclaimer. Just say, you know what? One of my needs is that I do need a little more reassurance. Yeah. Maybe than some other people would. Yeah. And um, at times, I'm going to need you to reassure us that we're on the right path. Yeah. Uh, especially after fights. I need to yeah. know that we're not going to break up. Mm-hmm. And maybe over time, if you reassure me enough, maybe I won't need that reassurance yeah, over time. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. But, I'm hoping. Hoping. But if it means that you need the rest of your life, the, the like I said, the right partner is going to want to fill that need yeah. for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Brooke, this next one's huge for me. Comfortable being alone. Oof. Because we were talking about this, and we both like being alone. Yes. But it's not comfortable being alone. Period. It's comfortable. <laughs> being not with your partner while the partner is off doing something else. Yes. That's the problem. Exactly. If one variable has now changed outside of you, you now can no longer enjoy your alone time. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm thinking about, oh, I got to manage their behavior. Exactly. Because I don't trust them. Yeah. They're going to do something reckless for this relationship and Mm -hmm. I'm going to get hurt in the process. Mm -hmm. So I need to do what I can to control the situation Mm -hmm. Um, I need to ask penetrating questions. I need to yeah. uh, check the socials every two seconds, right? And then your time is ruined with yourself, which normally you like. Exactly. If you're an introvert like me and Megan, we love our alone time. We Honestly, we do. But I get energized from it. I, I get tons of energy from my alone time. But honestly, in that alone time, you need to, and even if this means locking your phone in another room or something, like... Focus on activities that you truly enjoy and not fall into this, you know, trap of making it about the other person. Good tip. Yeah. Okay, last one. Ability to seek emotional support. Yes. So a secure attachment person would be able to say, ask for what they need because they believe that their needs are worth it. Exactly. They can identify them and they believe that they're valuable. Right. So they get to say, this is what I need. And I need, you know, your support right now. Right. So if you're single, this year, these are some of the traits you should look out for in someone, by the way, is mm-hmm. someone who is emotionally available, yeah. someone who can readily communicate their needs, yep. someone who, you know, those are all secure yeah. traits. Is not untrusting of you. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is what you want to hopefully emulate. Those strategies that we gave you earlier, we're trying to move more into the secure attachment portion so there you go those are your like goals essentially long-term goals and then also those are the things you're looking for in a partner exactly because they will help you move into that space exactly and they won't trigger you yes that's the thing you aren't permanently this person it sometimes these traits are exasperated is that the right right word exacerbated exacerbated by certain people who bring that out in you totally so if you find someone with all these secure traits Trust me, they're going to meet you halfway and they're going to not make you feel yes. like you're crazy. That's really what you need. Yeah. Because there are some people who will trigger you. And oh, that's yeah. what we're talking about in next week's episode or another episode. I don't know if it's going to be, if we're going to release it next week. <laughs> yes, yes. But we are going to go da, da, da. all into the avoidant attachment style next. So we talked about anxious and secure a lot on this one. 
The third one is avoidant, and I'm mm. sure you are familiar with the style. Mm. But once we'll get into it, you'll uh, you'll definitely know. Definitely. <laughs> well, listeners, we love you. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you can't love yourself, how the hell hey, are you gonna love, love somebody, somebody else? else? Can I get an amen, Brooke? Amen. Bye. Signing off.